to the All Things Geekery podcast. This is episode four of season four, and this one's called Evolution. I'm your host, Detached. Hey, guys, and I'm Victus. Well, guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for stopping by and joining us, and we hope you guys are all doing well wherever you guys are. And if you're new around here, be sure to subscribe to the show, share it, and we hope you guys enjoy this episode. In this episode, we talk about the latest game to include our favorite rip and tear space marine, Doom Guy. That's one I've been playing a lot. The Debt Simulator Animal Crossing, newest expansion to hit it. We wrap up our season one discussion of Star Trek Picard. And finally, we talk about the controversial console wars with the newest information of Xbox and PlayStation. But before we get all to that, we're going to do a quick recap. Because I don't know about you, but I've been getting with this whole lockdown stuff. I've been getting through my backlog, or at least some of my backlog. I've been adding to the backlog, which has been bad. because stuff has been on sale, yeah. but You're I've actually been able to, the to play the games, which is so wild. You're not supposed to add to the backlog just yet. You're supposed to get it finished and then add. Well, they, there was these games and they were on sale and uh, yeah, Steam, I hate you. Yeah, Steam, Steam is kind of a dangerous arena for me because anytime I get in there, I see things and it's, you know, 65, 75% off. And it's really easy just to click that buy button. It is. It's, it's, yeah. it's too convenient. And unfortunately, they make the buy button bigger and, and more noticeable than any other button on that interface. Yes. Yeah. And being that I'm working from home um, and now going on almost three weeks now, so basically been inside this house a lot longer than I have been a lot and not a lot of time in my hands too. So yeah, it's funny. I've, I've actually got a lot of projects done around the house. Yep. Uh, it's been kind of nice to have the extra time for that. Uh, I haven't really done a whole lot of building though. Uh, I've been wanting to do some woodworking projects, but just haven't sat down and, and really just kind of thought about what I wanted to do. Um, I get started on something and then, you know, I'm, like ADD oversensitive. So I, I end up doing like 82 things at once and never finished the first one that I started and then forgot what I started later on. And so most of my whole projects have been things like cleaning our deck or emptying out, you know, old bins of junk drawers and, you know, just things that pile up after non-use. That's yep. been my time over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And or, lots of reading. Yes. Yes, which I'm actually waiting. Um, I decided with all this time, one of the things besides getting my backlog was getting back into reading. Um, and I decided to finally make the switch from getting physical books to getting ebooks now. Hey, there you go. Um, so I am now committed to getting an e-reader, a Amazon Kindle paper paperweight, I think is what they call it, is on its way to be delivered Wednesday. You are, you are going to have a massive backlog now. Uh, of, of, I, of ebooks, I have uh, I've ordered five different series of books with eight, eight or more books in the series, plus reordered a couple books that I have read probably 20 times and I plan to read 20 <laughs> times more. 
Uh, one of those being <laughs> that I actually just, just takes, three weeks. I, I couldn't wait to start reading this trilogy again. And so I'm reading it right now. Um, not right now on, on the podcast, but uh, probably after I get done the Darth Bane trilogy from Star oh, Wars. Uh, nice. It is. But outside of the original Thrawn trilogy, I, those are on par for me for my enjoyment of the books. Just what's in them and what it takes place. You know, one of my favorite series that the Star Wars did, and I actually don't even remember the series name. I read it when I was a young teenager. Um, it was the story of basically Luke and Leia, Han, and, and, and the group of them, where Luke ended up becoming uh, the Emperor at one point for a short period. Leia became kind of the next Jedi Master. And I can't think of the name of the series for the life of me. Mm. Yeah, those I know the canon Probably you're talking about. Yeah. 94, 95, 96 era, kind of right in there. Um those were a fantastic series. Uh they I think they spawned nine I think they had nine books total in a series. Interesting. Okay. I, unfortunately I don't remember the name of them though. I, I don't but, yeah, I can't recall it either, but I I know the canon you're talking about which unfortunately yeah. is not part of any of the books that I have in my legacy collection. And when I mentioned legacy, that's all the, the retconned uh, canon that was um, yeah. uh, no longer part of the Star Wars universe on the acquisition of Star Wars to Disney. Um, which is a, which is a shame because there's that a lot of good universe, stuff. Yeah. That universe had so much good stuff in it. And we're going to be careful because we'll end up turning this podcast into a Star Wars discussion. And that's not what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> no, no. But yes, uh, Darth Bane trilogy, I'd recommend it to anyone, even if it's retcon, part of the legend. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. And some of me, oh, it's, it's garbage trilogy. I, you know what? I enjoy it. So there. Um, but that along with my, I've, I picked up, there were several uh, series of books that were like 99 cents for the eight book, eight book series. They're all oh, sci-fis, yeah. some of them sci-fi operas, sci-fi westerns, um, sci-fi, um, uh, what was the one I was thinking of? Uh, Galactic, Galactic Empire is the category it was under. I don't know. Highly rated, okay. highly reviewed, and I was like, okay, I'll take a chance. It was 99 cents, so, you know, can't go wrong. But yeah, that's, I'm going to be like neck deep in books for a long time. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think books is a good thing. One of the, well, welcome to the, you know, the clan, I should say, because yeah. I've been a massive book reader forever. And I think I have even asked like, oh, when are we going to do some book series on the podcast? And you're like, <laughs> oh, I don't read no books. <laughs> uh, I'll just send you the, you know, the, the five different nine book series that I just ordered. So if you could just get on reading those, we're going to do a deep dive next podcast of one of them. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> it could no. be fun. I don't even know if these books are, I don't even know if I'm going to like these. These are totally on a whim. So we'll see. Oh, well, I'm still trying to talk you into doing the, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings lore series as well, but I was tempted that I was uh, tempted to get the books. I may actually go do it. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm surprised you don't have them yet. Uh, I will. We'll see. Surprise. Maybe one of these podcasts. Uh, but besides books, I have been playing um, the crap. I finished up uh, Assassin's Creed Origin because um, I 
tried to 100% complete all areas in that game. And uh, I was getting burnt out because that because there's just so much in that game. I didn't even go to all the areas, including DLC, because I wanted to get through the story because I thought I needed to prep for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Because that's what I'm playing through right now. And oh, my gosh, does it look so good on PC and play so well? Are you playing Origins or are you playing Odyssey? I was playing Origins to beat it because I thought I needed to. And technically, in some small way, you do. There's some story in there that ties into Odyssey. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, right now I am playing I'm about 20 hours into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And man, nice. it, I, man it, it may actually be my. Uh, my favorite favorite out of the Assassin's wow. Creed's um, Assassin's Creed uh, Revelations was phenomenal. No doubt about it. Oh, Revelations was good. Don't don't get me wrong. Revelations was good. I, Odyssey is good, but Origins still holds the cake for yeah. me on the story. That story is so damn hard to beat. I don't, this whole RPG dialogue system and decision making is like. Okay. I'm glad you introduced this. This is nice. That that is one feature that I do like in Odyssey that I wish or if Origins would have had that, then Origins definitely definitely would have been the winner. But I do say Odyssey from a gameplay standpoint, I do like that uh dialogue system better than the way yep. Origins played out. Yep. I I would be surprised if they take this way in any this creed um vikings or yeah we've got the new one is it ragnarok ragnarok that's it that's the the assassin's creed ragnarok that's been floating around yeah i'd be really surprised if they take that out because um i maybe they're you know majority of assassin's creed people out there play it don't like it but i am really enjoying having that in there and the changes they've done in odyssey to really separate it both combat um what's been done there continual dive into more of an RPG armor talent tree. So good. Yeah. The talent tree is good. I like where they're going. I hope they continue that system and, and bring some more upgrades with the, the new one that's coming. Um, Assassin's Creed has been one of those games is fun. So uh, backlog stuff. I don't really have a big backlog that I'm playing through right now. Uh, I've, I've caught up and just started the new expansion for division two. Uh, the okay. warlords of New York, which uh, is fun. I like the story. I've heard it's good. It's yeah, yeah. So it's hard as crap, but it's good. <laughs> uh, and then for whatever reason, I picked up the Long Dark a long, long, long time ago. I was actually gifted to me and played through it. Ton of fun. So I've actually gone back on hard mode now to try to do it, and ah. that was a mistake because hard mode on that game is bonkers (laughs) i i i was you know doing well in 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 the original game and kind of normal mode i i did well uh i made it seven minutes before i died on hard mode seven minutes minutes (laughs) from start of game six seven minutes you died from start of game once the plane, well, I don't know if you know anything about the story. Yep, the um, plane. Yep. So once the plane crashes, and you know, you see that cutscene where he's got this giant piece of, of, of like 
stone or something shoved through his hand. He pulls that out from the time that he pulls that out to you finding the cave. I was alive seven minutes and then died. <laughs> wow. It was dumb hard. So I don't know if I'm going to play it anymore because it made me mad. And now I'm just kind of fed up. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll I saw, I saw it pop up that you're playing. I was like, Oh, okay. I thought he beat it, but whatever. Cool. I did beat then, it, but, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, of course, playing destiny, um, just kind of messing around more than anything, just yep. seeing what's out there and tried, uh, for whatever reason this weekend, I went and played through the entire quest line of the iron banner from start to finish on one character in a day. Wow. And oh my gosh. Wow. Oh my gosh. My kids, my kids were laughing at me so funny because I was like, my hands were flying at the TV and I was pointing at things and I'm like, you know, <laughs> screaming and yelling and of course they're videotaping me and, you know, uh, just laughing. So that's great. Very, uh, very comical. Uh, that's kind of what I've been up to. So yeah. Attached does rage gaming YouTube channel coming now. Rage gaming. <laughs> I'm a, uh, if you guys don't know me, I am salty as heck when it comes ah. to gaming just ask uh you know victus over here uh i do get a it little salty, really bad. but like really it, really bad it, it's a it's a comical salty and out of all of our gaming friends victus here knows the buttons to push to just like add the salt but uh-huh. i think it's a it's a good mix so i typically i i, I don't think i've ever rage quit a game but I've definitely, I'm a poster when it comes to, like really close. He has got me close before when it comes to playing competitive and, you know, the hard mode and PVP stuff, I get pretty intense. So. I think we need to talk about some of our topics that, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think you talked a little bit about doom guy and, you know, yeah. that, that game. Yeah. So yeah, we probably Doom. should jump into our gaming topics section of the podcast and talk about uh, uh, Doom Eternal. Brand new. Just released. Brand new. Uh, Brand I new. picked that up like on release day because I uh, really... release day. Say what? Release day. That was a definite pickup on release day. Release day pickup Doom Eternal. Oh, man. So good. So good. Uh, it takes everything of Doom, and if you love Doom, and it cranks it up to an eleven with just faster pace, uh, goes more, to more a good story to build on. Like I didn't find myself going after the lore in the original Doom, but man, I was looking for every single lore piece to piece together, and it all yeah. like all fit. Like you wanted to know who is Doom guy? Why is he here? Who are Man, the story in this one is so good. Yeah. The, the biggest difference that I really see one, you, you said the intensity and the intensity is, uh, really upped. Uh, the original doom back like 2015, 2016 was good, hardcore, super intense. This one, uh, is, is nowhere near as dark. Um, this one, this one doesn't have a, as dark a feel to it in general, but the intensity of the gameplay and that one need to just know the story, they've done a good job with the story and kind of left that mystery to, to be in you know, figured out that's that, that piece is cool to me. Yeah. 
there there was a different you know like you're mentioning the darkness of it because you know we go to mars and doom and you're basically the only one alive on mars except for um uh the mechanical doctor himself and the yeah. uh antagonist protagonist i get this protagonist protagonist because you're the antagonist right yes okay thank you uh yeah i get this mixed up uh but the protagonist which there's actually ends up being two of them spoiler alert uh so because you're the only one alive so you're just fighting demons by yourself but in doom eternal you're back on earth uh 60% of the world's population is just gone uh because <laughs> yeah decimated decimated gone the rest are about to be wiped out or being wiped out at this time because of uh the the demonic invasion has happened on earth um, they are consuming everyone to feed the demonic world. Uh, so that's that's kind of where you come in. Uh, how you survive and get to where you are, it still doesn't say. But uh, even from the get go, you immediately start getting weapons. Uh, and I played on the medium difficulty, and yeah, man. It was that was still kind of rough at times. Like there was yes. I had to restart the game several times or restart my save. I should be should say. And I can't yeah, imagine those like, people that I, go through and play the play the one life game. Oh, Oof. the hardcore mode like yeah. one and done. And then you yeah. start at the beginning. You're like, start back uh, the beginning. what? <laughs> Seriously? And I'm pretty sure the difficulty is nightmare. So nightmare plus only one life. Oh, my. Yeah bonkers i now, started around the mid-range as well normal or medium difficult whatever it is yeah yep uh that one that one like nice i ended up beating it and then going back through and reconnecting all the lore that i somehow missed or just understand everything because there's you know already lore videos out there from uh several youtubers uh one i've already picked up and i recommend you go watch if you don't know the backstory of doom is my name is by he's starting to release lore videos for it so uh excellently done as well uh just yes, like excellent wife you know, is wife is the lore guy so he's the lore he guy is, yeah he does an amazing job at at his videos um the one thing that i was really kind of disappointed with from the game standpoint is is the story timing just the the amount of time of the story it was it was fairly short i think it's only got a 15 hour campaign and uh i just i i you know, wanted more after everything was said and done it, uh, even though it wrapped up really well and, and the story came to a, you know, a good close. I just, I wanted more of what they were portraying. It just went yeah. by too fast. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And that's, that's an accurate statement of my playthrough as well. I think mine hit about 20 hours or so. Oh, what does steam say? Or did I already uninstall it? Uh, but 22 hours. So I have 22 hours of gameplay in doom eternal that was me looking decently for collectibles upgradables anything that i need to either make my character more powerful just the collectible aspect i didn't honestly i don't think i looked at the map once for that stuff it just happened to be like oh i see that over there let's go get it uh, uh, i did some of that as well uh i did look at the, the map a lot though because you know you're looking around that's that's one thing that i did like about this one is uh the original doom uh, that came out in 2015, 2016, um, had a very flat 
style map. And this one yes. um, is very much a platformer in in terms of the the puzzles and the jumping and the you know the new modes of being able to transport yourself around the map. There's a lot of different things that you can do as far as climbing and jumping and shuffling and all, all kinds of new little goodies that you get. Yes. Uh, I, I I completely agree with that that statement. Um, the map was um, so much better, and the like like you were alluding to the parkour in Doom Eternal is um, yeah. rap, You know, it, it it also is ramped up to eleven, and your ability to parkour is that much better because of you know the grab lifts included, um, your mobility because of your tools, especially once you get the super shotgun with the grappling hook. Let's just oh, call it one of the game grappling hook yeah, uh def- definitely was my favorite weapon of the game was the super yeah. shot oh for sure it like yes there's bfgs yes yes there's rail guns but super shotgun reigns supreme um and also once you get that thing upgraded to where it like automatically catches demons on fire when you grapple them so they drop armor uh you just become kind of op because you just kind of keep like uh, frogging from one demon to the next, killing them, and you just never run out of armor because they just keep dying. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cool things you can do. Uh, there were some pretty hard matches. Uh, I found yep. myself dying a lot and a lot because uh, I was getting impatient. So I would get frustrated. <laughs> I would get impatient. I would try to do something silly and just find myself, you know, dying a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I I can just say right now that Marauders, um, uh. I, I don't know why they're in the game. They are worst enemy ever invented. Like, hey, let me let me design this enemy that. Uh, oh, by the way, he's going to stun lock you, um, and you only have a specific amount of time to shoot him. But you're stun locked, so you can't. And uh, you, oh, you got to wait till his eyes turn green to be able to shoot him. Um, oh, and that eye shooting like green is like point one milliseconds. So get ready. Right, but you're stun locked while you do it. So you're like, oh, there. Oh, never mind. Can't shoot you. Can't shoot you. And oh, my health's yeah, gone. So bad. Yeah. So oh, and his bullet sponge. Like you, you, you just oh shot. Gosh. You made sure you shoot shot all your super shotgun into him and didn't miss a shot. Oh, no, that didn't kill him. Oh, all rocket. No, that didn't kill him. I'm pretty sure that uh, id Games decided to go. Hey, let's get a bunch of interns in here. You know, some new fresh blood. And they said. Uh, you know, let's think of some new ideas. And one of them just got super excited and said, uh, well, let's create this Marauder guy and we'll, we'll make him where uh, he's got a, you know, 0.6 second uh, hitbox, but he's going to stun lock you every five. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, those matches, <laughs> every time I went against him, I was super cheese about it. Uh, I would. What would I do? Oh he would just run around. I would run around in circles all the entire time. And because in these battles, you always have a lesser demon spawn that you can constantly get health from. Well, I just yeah. continually farm them to keep it up. And then I just continually drop bombs at his feet. I, I didn't need any window to do. And yes, I ran out of ammo more than I, most people would have, but Hey, Oh, you know I what? ran out of ammo all the time. <laughs> So yeah, I, yeah. I suffer a while. I don't know why you put them rotted. Just no. Uh, but besides that guy, a- Doom Internal is uh, if 
if you like FPS, fast pace, rip and tear of any Doom ever, it is a great play. And, and you know, the play, the replayability is there because the different difficulties to go through them, you know, you can really test yourself. And let's say you didn't get all the collectibles like I didn't. Well, then you can go back and replay the missions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely worth buying. So, and I, I thought this was kind of cool too. I pulled some stats just from uh, launch day and on Steam for launch day, Doom Eternal had over 100,000 concurrent users that day, which was more than double than the original Doom that came out in 2016. It's crazy. Yes. Yep. Um, what was interesting is that you can kind of see the shift of everybody getting physical games to digital games. Um, yeah. Physical sales were down 33%. Compared to yeah. the Doom. Well, and so this is a good little segue too. So the only game that outdid uh, Doom Eternal on the charts in UK was Animal Crossing's New Horizons, which is what we're going to be talking about next. Yep. I thought that was funny. Yep. The, the, the interesting and somehow happened to be pairing of two completely different universes um, spawned Doom guy teaming up with Isabella to either plant a garden or rip and tear demons across the demonic homeworld. Uh, hey, I'm sure Isabella could do some damage. <laughs> I mean, she, she could take that, uh, that gardening spade. And let me tell you, she would go to town. Yeah, there, there has been so many um, arts you can look up. There is like, memes and, and gifts and all of them out there that are pretty fantastic about the uh, pairing of those two. And also the communities behind them have completely jumped on board with it as well, which has been fantastic. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been fun to watch. But uh, yeah, so like we were mentioning, Animal Crossing New Horizon released at the exact same day as Doom Eternal. So that, you know, basically helped start a synergy between the two. And, but it is the polar opposite. It is you start on an island and you are a human that is basically everybody else is an animal. And they talk to you. Yeah. You're surrounded by animals and you go and you fish and you farm and you collect things. Well, and for you know, for anybody who has not played Animal Crossing ever, this is not the first game of Animal Crossing that's ever come out either. There have been a lot of other Animal Crossings. In fact, almost one for every system that Nintendo made back in the day as well. There's been a lot of versions of Animal Crossing that came out. This is just the newest iteration. Yes. And that's that's why it's also so hyped up and and rightfully so. You know, it's been a huge hit across you know, watching people play across the Twitterverse, the the massive Twitch streams, uh, everywhere, YouTube videos, all of them. You know, people, you know, joining up on the same islands. Uh, you know, to go out and do all the really relaxing things of Animal Crossing. Well, and you said that. I mean, this is one of those games that it's not intense. You can just kind of get in and chill out and. 
Uh, I mean, it, it's more of like a chore based social game. So you, like you said, hop in with, you know, your buddies, your friends, uh, go in and build things, do chores and just kind of chill out and have fun. Uh, I mean, that's what this game's all about. So, uh, we thought we'd throw a little mix in here cause we, we, we usually talk about all the serious games. We, it's been a while since we've had just kind of a fun, you know, not really intense game to talk about. This is just one of those out there. I have not picked the game up yet, but it's one of those that is on the list to grab because my kids want it. So, you know, I got to do that nice. dad thing. But, and it really couldn't. I mean, it, they are the two games are polar opposite each other's. And, you know, referencing back to Doom Eternal one more time, I've saw articles pop up when it hit. Um, <laughs> because of what the world is going through right now, the article was titled Doom Eternal. Rip and tearing of demons has been the therapy we need right now. Uh, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> or, or you have the, the polar opposite of, of people that get relaxed by going in Animal Crossing New Horizon. And yeah, um, you know, just feeling a relaxed game, you know, they can pick it, put it down at any time, just go from there. And hopefully not get stressed because they can't find or fish that certain particular fish that they need to continue. <laughs> that's, I've that's seen been, some that's pretty big, raging uh, tweets go out because of it. That's been a big meme across the uh, the interwebs is the um, I can't find this fish and people are raging over it. So, uh-huh. and then raging at other people because that person has five of those fish and yeah, that that is that is the uh, what you come into with Animal Crossing uh, with the newest one. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think was, both the games have been getting like fantastic reviews on all, all platforms. Uh, oh yeah. At I mean, games. Did this newest one, I mean, it even topped the charts for Twitch, um, yep. with a lot of the streamers, a lot of the big streamers, you know, just saying, Hey, we're, we're just kind of taking a break from all the intensity and the grind from these other games. I think, you know, they're just like anybody. They want, they want something just to chill out with as well. And, Animal Crossing is a, a good, fun game just to kind of chill out and not really have to worry about the completion tasks and what what you're going to go grind for on weapons and armor. Just go out and have fun. Yeah, cool. I, I've seen about every streamer that I follow go out and play new Animal Crossing at one time in the past yeah. three weeks or so since it, since its release. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah. Uh, I would, I would say from now, uh, again, I haven't played it, but from those playing it that I've watched and going after, I have not heard a single negative thing besides everybody hates Tom Nook, the person that put you in debt for your <laughs> island. Uh, yeah. I have not heard a single negative thing uh, about Animal Crossing and only heard great things about what they did with the game. So, uh, we're gonna put it on a recommend to buy list. Oh, absolutely. It will definitely go on my uh, backlog list for sure. Uh, seems to be where all my games go lately is uh, <laughs> go right to my backlog. You know, you just it's, need it's to like, stop playing that, that hardcore on the long dark and, you know, get your backlog. Yeah. yeah. Um, now something outside of the norm, we have typically not talked about horror based games on the channel very often, but <laughs> uh, one of the most popular kind of thriller horror based games that was released years ago was called silent hill i was always a big silent hill fan i don't know about you but uh that was one of those that just kind of made you jump and 
you know, get the heebie-jeebies as you were playing. Yeah, and, I tend uh, to uh, tend to avoid those games because I didn't, didn't play, could not uh, could not get through them. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed the I enjoyed the jump scares, but uh, uh, it's funny because this is something that the fans have asked for for a long time. And back in January, there was a leak that came across a Twitter account for a new Silent Hill game that was being put into the works. Um, now, with that being said, the Twitterverse went bonkers with it for a little while and then it just kind of went completely dead i saw it when it first came out got kind of excited haven't really put a lot of thought into it and i was just kind of browsing through all the different news channels for what we wanted to talk about and i saw this come up from uh, konami um, who is the developer originally for silent hill and they came in and said by the way this uh leak that happened uh yeah not not true not going to happen. So basically, uh, I don't, I don't know where any of the information came from. I don't know if it was, yeah, we actually got some information that Konami was going to be doing a silent Hill game or maybe Konami came in and said, Nope, we gotta, we gotta ixnay the project or maybe this is just a political or not a political, a, uh, a publicity stunt saying yeah it's not really there just to kind of deflect information but they are going to be making something i don't know if they would make it i'm sure the fans would be freaking excited and uh i know i would so i don't know we'll see what happens yeah i mean i've i've randomly kept up with the the silent hill community um but i didn't know this so that would be huge it's coming from konami though I've never known him to be a, you know, like, Hey, this is not true, but then it ends up being true later unless it, he didn't know it was going to be true later. Right. I have seen that happen before. So I, unfortunately I'm going to go with the, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Unless we've seen it before where there is such a outcry that this needs to happen the dollar bills kind of happen on the business and they're like, let's do it. So maybe. Well, and now no. even well, yeah. Konami said, look, you know, it's just a no, but there were other rumors from Sony that Sony was going to purchase um, some properties from Konami being uh, metal gear, Castlevania and silent Hill. But I don't know. So Sony and Kojima came in and said, look, you know, they're the, the firm and our official response back from Konami is that these are all rumors and they aren't true, but who knows? We could see something six months from now that maybe sparked an idea and somebody starts something. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So there was, this point of silent hill and a interesting thing that has happened with um minecraft with uh and i didn't know the whole details about it because i've seen articles come across where they've released like educational content for minecraft right 
there is, there is an educational version of Minecraft that some schools actually used, which is cool. Yeah. I, I, from see from the, like when I go look up recipes for things I'm trying to create or trying to find how it works in the Minecraft world, there was a couple things that mentioned a Minecraft educational. I never actually dove into it, but it's pretty cool. What, you know, through Minecraft, a game that's, what is it going on? 15 years old or so? 15, um, yeah, 15 plus. Almost. No, actually 11, yeah. 11, initial release date. Okay, so 11. But, well, if you want to count like alpha and betas, but let's go over the release date. So 11, 11 years old. Yeah. 11 years old. Uh, but still, you know, they're adding stuff, trying to make it relevant and bringing it in the classroom, which is super cool. You know, teaching kids how to, about, you know, space, how to code. Um, exploring landmarks, which is super cool, which probably plays into <laughs> an interesting article I read is part of this. People have gone into libraries that has been created with this to include books and stuff in these libraries that are educational, but are blocked via certain governments, I, you know, internet service providers. So if you were right. to look up, yeah. So if you try to look up the content outside of the game, their internet service provider would block it. But yeah. they've gotten around this by including this educational content inside of Minecraft. Yeah, for whatever reason, the uh, like you know the blacklisted content uh, apparently didn't get blacklisted in this one. So I guess uh, I guess caution to the wise on that one. But yeah, yep. kind of cool. Um, you know, all because of the coronavirus and the different outbreaks that are going on and, you know, all the schools that are shut down, all the kids that are now at the house. Um, I think it's cool because Microsoft is, you know, they've released different lessons on their marketplace uh, and those lessons are free within this educational version of Minecraft. I mean, uh, they're talking about being able to go in and look at um specific landmarks that they've rebuilt inside of Minecraft. And like you said, code, um, interact and, and do robotics. I mean, it's just ridiculous what we can do with technology now. And that's, not, I mean, it's really just awesome that they're using Minecraft. One that is basically in every household today that has an internet connection or some type of gaming apparatus, or, or I mean, even on the phones, um, it'd be hard pressed to find somebody that doesn't know about Minecraft. So getting this introduced is, is really awesome. Really awesome for them, and, yeah. and like you said, it's free. You can go out and get the marketplace content um, free today, uh, and you'll be able to download through June thirtieth. Yep, Unless which is they awesome. That. Unless they extend that, if you know, if something happens with the the extension on the whole coronavirus uh, social distancing, which I I even think the president announced something today that they're going to go past the initial April April thirtieth date now. Um, uh, I think they were extending to April 30th from April 17th. Oh, okay. It was to April 30th. And that's what yep. I saw. Yeah. So, so uh, there he's extending the CDC guidelines to April 30th. So. Social. Di- we're practicing social distancing by about a 22 hour drive right now. About, about 22 hour drive. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We're we're only spitting okay. into our mics right now instead of across from each other. Yep. I think, uh, think social distancing is working for us so (laughs) and all you're listening right that's good for all all you guys listening yeah we're social distancing with you as well yes yes 
so that that wraps up our gaming topics. And now to get into film, TV, Ooh, movie film topics TV. of a series that I think you recommend me into. And I finally got into because of uh, Star Trek Discover. I just want more Star Trek got into Picard. We're going to talk about the last four episodes. So the last four episodes are phenomenal. They really were. So if you guys didn't know, um, go back and listen to the last couple of episodes of the podcast. Um, episode one kicking off this year in January. We actually followed along with Picard launching in January. And we covered the first three episodes. And then we covered the middle episodes. We've kind of done this little mini review of the show. And then we're finishing up now because the last episode just aired last week. Um, so we tried to time it uh, best we could to come out about the same time. And I'm sure a lot of people have already seen this, but if you're listening, um, we've said this in every episode that we've done a review for the card stuff. If you haven't seen it, uh, because we know you binge watchers out there have been waiting till the final episode hits so that you can go through and watch all of them at once. I don't know why, why, I don't know why you would want to do that. I couldn't wait at all. I, I had to play on that first one. Mm, yep. I had to see it. Had to see it. So uh, spoilers ahead if you have waited and have not gotten to any of the episodes yet. And you've lost your chance. Okay. So episode seven. Uh, see, where did we leave off? Episode six was. Um, and they all kind of blurred together. That is one thing that this show did a really good job of is it was basically like watching a movie that has been broken down into chapters yes. over a period of time. Yep. It was even though some of the episodes kind of had a filler episode to it, it was it was different. Um, now, I will say towards the middle of the show, five and six really kind of had that filler episode feeling to it they really brought the story back around with uh these last four and it really got down to kind of the nitty-gritty and the meat of the story yes yes they did and okay now six is coming back to me where picard and soji had just escaped the board cube which was under robbing lincoln yes um right. they were transported to uh nepotine <clears throat> Uh, which we didn't know what that world was, but it was important. Um, that left Eleanor, Elnor and nine. No, not nine. Not yet. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> left Elnor and um, starts with an H. Nine. Starts with an H. No, there was that one Borg that was or recovered Borg. You. You. Back on the Borg cube. Um, didn't know what was going to happen to him, but episode seven takes up with uh return of two and favorite characters from Star Trek Next Generation, actually. Next Next Generation. Yeah, it was good to see them. Yeah, good to see them in the in the show. Yeah, these three really made up a, a big. I don't know. A lot of a lot of the Star Trek Next, Next Generation was kind of like watching a family grow up. I mean, I, I grew up with the next generation. I was a, you know, eighties and nineties kid. So this was my Star Trek. Um, and I loved it. Next generation was kind of my go-to show. Couldn't wait for it to come out. 
I was one of those, like all of us were in the living room waiting for the next episode to hit. So yeah, really, really seeing Picard, um, hit that relationship again. Uh, and they come back in and see William Riker and Deanna Troy. If you guys don't know who they are, then I don't know why you're still listening. Because <laughs> they need to go watch the show and figure them out. Yep. <laughs> so uh, William Riker, of course, is Commander Riker. He was Picard's right-hand man, second command to the Enterprise. And then Deanna Troy uh, was actually the ship's counselor on Star Trek Next Generation. William Riker and her are... Married, of course, and now have a kid together. Uh, yeah, it was really cool to to see that reunion. Uh, it was kind of like watching the old times. The nostalgia came in. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, and uh, see, William Riker, the actor that plays him. John Franks. I cannot think of his name. Yeah, William William Franks. Yep, William Franks. Uh, John, Jonathan. He, Is it Jonathan Franks? Jonathan. Yeah. Um, he does such a good job um, with the character and and being a now retired um, <clears throat> retired character of the Star Trek universe. He the way he portrays it is so good, uh, so good with that. And probably was my favorite was just to listen to him talk and, and talk and, and go over things and how he in certain situations sets Picard in his place because he was one of his dearest friends. Um, you know, Picard was the captain. Uh, William Riker was the commander um, of the Enterprise. And so they by that had a very close bond there. But all through that, they were, you know, like family, like you said, uh, on there. And, and just, you know, there was no longer the William Riker taking order. There was, William Riker setting Picard straight of certain certain things he was doing, which was quite yeah. the quite the change of what we've come to be used to. And then and this is what Picard, the Star Trek Picard series or you know, these episodes have been doing. They've been showing a Picard that's not um not so always stoic, knows the right decisions to make, is captain all the time. So it was really good to see that. Yeah. Yeah, this one, this one definitely portrays a very uh, much more vulnerable Picard. Yes. He's, uh, you know, weaker from a physical standpoint because he's old as dirt. And uh, mentally he is, I mean, he's still extremely smart. Uh, he still is witty and has that, uh, like you said, that, that stoic commanding presence to him. But there's, there's this I don't know, it's this question that he has, like a, he's not quite sure about himself anymore. And I think, uh, I think the show did a good job of just kind of portraying that, that question of needing, needing other people around him. He knows he can't do it by himself. Um, episode seven did a good job of really showing that vulnerability. Yep. So it, 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 the whole entire episode takes place basically uh, here on this planet of Nepenthe and it's at William Riker and Dina Troy's house of all things. Yeah, um, the retirement house, their, the retirement house. Uh, William has become a baker and a uh, cook. And I mean, they live in the country and they garden for a living. Yep. Uh, you know, they're just enjoying life. So uh, the one thing Riker did say is he, 
there was a scene where Picard and, and him are sitting on a bench over by the lake, uh, just kind of enjoying a chat. And Riker does mention that he is still on active reserve for Starfleet. Yeah. Um, but it's only for specific things and I guess uh, emergencies if, if, if ever needed. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, so. that was good to watch that through. And then uh, Deanna Troy coming in with, you know, she immediately knows all the answers of everything that's going on from Picard's problems to the situation he's in right now, because correct me if I'm wrong, but she is a complete mind reader. She's a betazoid. Right. Um, so but I, I don't they, know if they can read all the thoughts. I don't, I honestly don't remember if they have full ability to read the mind or if it's only certain there, there's like an emotional thought that comes behind certain things and they can sense it and understand those. Uh, that's, that's what I think it is, but I can't remember. You're researching, yep. aren't you? I because am you researching. I, I am absolutely <laughs> researching because partial teletech. That's what I needed now. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Partial. So, but even through that, she was able to immediately know that, well, he's at his problem is terminal of, of, um, or actually I, I'm inferring that that took place because of her affection and sadness that immediately took place when she saw and was able to form a connection with the card when they got to the farm. Um, and then from there, she, you know, you know, she was just like what we saw on next generation where she tells, holds the point of therapist for a long time, but there's periods where she has to let that fall and said Picard <laughs> Again, put Picard in his place of areas that he can no longer treat as just a captain. But he has to treat differently because we see in this episode uh, Soji handling the realization that she is an android. Um, yeah. And Picard so trying his spoiler, uh, what you know, we, we called that. Um, and Picard trying to form a connection with her because of wanting to protect her and also in remembrance of her sister. So you see the first um, hardships happening there and, and going through all that. But it was honestly out of all of them. This was probably my favorite episode, including the this, final yeah. three. Yeah, this one, this one was definitely my favorite just because of the nostalgia aspect and, and, and seeing that kind of family bond that they had. Yeah. So they yeah, finally leave the planet um, uh, and move on to episode eight, which uh, episode eight and on that, uh, it was another filler. It was yeah. a filler for story's sake because the story hadn't covered this mystery that we we're wondering about. Yeah, it, it definitely had the filler aspect to it though uh just yes. i don't know this one drug on for me a little bit I agree. Uh, the only the only thing that i really liked about this one is the they explained that flashback and and what what people were seeing from that planet side with the um suns and and what narissa was seeing when um I can't even think of the uh, Commander O. Yeah, it was oh, Commander yeah. O. Yep. Yeah. So Commander O did the the Romulan 
like premonition thing with her where she can basically input a memory into her brain and show her a vision. Yep. Um, so she showed her this vision of what was going to happen with the synths and, and just the destruction that was going to come with it. So she ends up kind of going bonkers because of this. Um, so they explain that they kind of understand from a, from a standpoint of what this premonition or admonition was and what it was really for. Um, that was the only thing that I really got out of though, except for the very ending where Rios finally understood what his captain did. Yep. Rios in the earlier episodes came back and said, look, um, I'm never going to serve under another Starfleet captain and watch him die. But yet he's, you know, attaching himself to Picard because Picard is Picard. He's very persuasive. And uh, Rios has come along with him. And Rios finally figures out what happened with this captain, this Vandermeer that he was part of. And uh, there was a couple of people there at the very ending. So him and Rafi are sitting there. And if you remember, they were talking about uh, the old pictures that they saw. And Rios goes, man, she being Soji. He's like, Soji looks just like the girl that I met with Captain Vandermeer. And there was a couple of uh, kind of outriders that they had picked up years previous when Rios was in Starfleet. And they ended up picking up a couple of cents and Captain Vandermeer had gotten the order that he was supposed to eliminate all synthetic life, no matter who, what, when, where. And he ended up killing these synthetics on a Starfleet ship and then he ended up killing himself. And that's what yep. Rios witnessed. And, uh, that's kind of what drove Rios away from Starfleet and, uh, kind of made him go to the drinking life and kind of that rebel captain lifestyle that he's got now yep. and uh that's 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 really what that that whole episode did but it just it took so long to explain what like one sentence could have said right there yeah it was there was a lot in that uh, episode that did not um that did not need to be there it was just a whole lot um you know for for one and, and spoiler the, the first part where we see in the flashback of the Zatvash and seeing them all experience the admonition. Uh, at least that's what the Romulans call it. Um, a miss, you know, we get a interpretation of what they think it is, where it's a warning of a civilization, an ancient civilization that is no longer in the universe saying synthetic life will cause destruction on a galactic sale. Um, and that's where the Tarshiat had it in my head. I'm going to say it. The, secret um militaristic arm of the romulan uh force where they're so obsessed with removing all synthetic life in the universe uh comes from so it was it was good to see that but overall yeah the this episode was a filler that there's a lot of stuff in that did i was just like i was ready to get the next episode so yeah, it, at the ending of it, all of us, as we were sitting in our living room, my kids, my wife, we all just kind of looked at one another and went, eh, that was it. It was, it was kind of disappointing. We're like, okay, we, we, we want next week's episode. But 
that that's been the bad thing is it's a it's a weekly weekly show and it seems like it takes a really long time for those exact seven days to go by even though the time doesn't change man does it seem like a long time for that show to get here and now we got to wait for season two and that's going to be a long time yep so yeah with that filler episode of episode eight i was looking really forward to episode nine because i knew from the titles that we saw going into it it was going to be a two-part um episode to finish out the season and it got right back on track with the story you know we're back with picard with his entire team they've uh because of soji using her abilities to figure out they could use the old borg trans um trans tunnel system to get there faster and before the romulans to warn soji's planet they get there and uh you know they're they're trying to contact or or, or trying to contact the world the, the people there but then uh they are followed by none other than Narek. The uh, um really guy that you started to hate since like episode uh five, I six would say about yeah, I would say about four or five for me. Yeah. There was just something always off about him. And the, the main thing for me, the weird eye that he's got, like when he's looking directly at you, he's got one eye that kind of shifts like you're shady, man. There's something wrong. I'm not sure which, <laughs> which way you're looking. And I don't know if you're looking at me with your left eye or your right eye, or you got something you're peeking at. He was just a shady character. Right. And they were, uh, you know, they immediately got into kind of a dogfight with Derek's ship uh and then you basically you thought you okay well um they uh they were gonna win the day because none other than the board cube unquote artifact comes through the portal um starts powering up weapons because you're like all right well Merrick's dead we can move on from here whatever she's got firepower because we know nine's piloting that board cube uh and then they uh, they end up crash uh, the planet. Whatever forces were down there had some flowers. <laughs> the flower. orchids. Yeah. The, uh, what? The orchids that uh, Soji always talked about in her dreams. That uh, Narek finally found out what what was all about. They uh, they were apparently are some type of planetary defense mechanism that gets launched out. They are giant. Sp- Base flying flowers, orchid flowers. Yes. yes, yeah, and they were able to. That was a, That was ahead. very Star Trek ish. Very Star Trek ish. <laughs> it's just like, huh? Uh, but apparently, those things were able to pull down a ship and an entire border cube on the planet's surface. So, um, and that's when, by all that, the people of a card's crew end up meeting the only settlement on the planet, which is inhabited by what you think at the time is all synthetics or androids, um, entire village full of them, but, uh, none other than I was like, when he walked out, I was like, Oh, old data. Uh, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Soon. Uh, Dr. Dr. Soon. So that, that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so this, come out. this is basically Data's brother. 
Yeah. Because he's the son of Data's creator, Nunian Soon. Yep. Oh. Yeah. It, it was a really cool tie in. I like how they did it. Yep. Um see from there then they uh they ended up capturing Narek. Um and then Soji's sister, but more of the sister that was killed via Rios's old captain, uh does yeah. the does the uh Vulcan mind meld to Soji to see not Soji, the the, the doctor to experience this uh, admonition. Yeah, that the doctor saw. Which finally revealed to us what the actual admonition was. Yeah, basically this this unleashing of the um, what did they call it? The what were they calling Soji? She was going to become the the destroyer. The destroyer. Yes. Yep. Now they never really went into detail of you know if she was going to transform into something or if it was just kind of the path that she took and to me at the very end of everything once you kind of see what happens at the end of it to me it was even though she's a synthetic she still has free will she still has a choice and she could either choose to become what everybody was telling her that she was going to or she could choose her own path and she could make her own destiny and she could make her own choices. And, and to me, that's what, that's what really set the very last episode apart and made it kind of that home run for me anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one part that keeps happening across it is they are not capitalizing on seven's character. Like there's some oh, really strong like points when we first see her where we see some emotion, some some depth of the character to it, but she continually is like this throwaway character. You know, Seven gets that's there, brings good. the board cube, and they have a quick chat with her, and then that's it. Yeah, that's that's a good term. I, I and I, I didn't read this uh article that I saw. It was something over on IGN a few weeks back and it was kind of a behind the scenes with the actress that plays um, seven of nine. And she talked about how hard it was getting back in character after being away for so long. So maybe that has something to do with it, or maybe it's just the way the writers have kind of envisioned her character. I do hope that they use her more. Um, she was always kind of a favorite in the Star Trek realm. So I hope they, uh, I hope they use her more. And I hope it's like you said, I hope she's not just a throwaway character for a, a quick little scene here or there. I, I hope she kind of becomes part of that crew and, and sticks with it. seems like she will be part of the crew um, from what we see in the final episode. Um. But I was that was my big disappointment with all of Picard is every time we get to her to see her shine as a character. It never comes to fruition. Um, There was some cool things where she decided, albeit almost too quickly to temporarily become a Borg queen to reactivate the Borg cube and and try to bring all the Borg back on live uh, online. 
to fight off the Romulans. Unfortunately, all the orgs that were in stasis were jettisoned. Um, there was just different things, and that's some of the scrutiny that's come to Picard is some of the writing that has taken place is you can almost use the word sloppy. Some decisions that are made too quick or not smartly. Um, so that that has been my one takeaway with Picard. Yeah, so. no, that's that's good. Uh, I think the the two big. The two big hits on the show that I've got for it are, are one, like you said, a little bit of sloppy writing. There's, there's some filler episodes and things that they didn't do a good job tying together. And two, it, it really, really that we are now in 2020 making a Star Trek next generation spawn of a show because anything and everything that we see in modern day media has infiltrated everything that we know in Star Trek. I mean, this is like the TVMA version of, you know, a, a Star Trek show. So that, that's been a little, little funny to get used to as well. Everything from, uh, you know, smoking to drinking, not that it wasn't present in the previous, it's just, it's more of a front runner in the things that we see. So a lot, a lot more hardcore. Yeah. Uh, plus, the, there's tons of language. It's that was that was kind of funny to see, you know, people dropping f bombs left and right in the show, and you know, you just kind of it makes you tilt your head a little bit. You're like, ah, I've, I don't remember Starfleet being that way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So just a couple of couple of little hits, and it's not major things, but it's a little worrisome as the show grows in age. And we get later down into the series. Will the writers and the director pull that story in tighter to continue something that they're building a good foundation for, or will it become will will it become the next nineties? Let's run it seven, eight seasons, and only ten percent of the show is actually worth watching because the rest of it was filler, and. Uh, that's that's really my fear is the Star Trek Next Generation. Did it have its filler moments? Yeah, it sure did. But it was also um, one of the best Star Trek shows that we've had. And there's tons of material and lots of lore and canon that goes into that show. And just the, you know, the fan base that that show brought to Star Trek, it, it came back for this because, oh my gosh, Picard was returning after all these years. So all those original fans came back and and that's kind of been the biggest knock from the fans is uh, it wasn't quite what they were expecting, but still it is uh, one of the best shows that I've seen in a while from a, from a Star Trek standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And we we still got, still got one episode talking about, but we'll see how they, because um, you know, like they, they basically wrapped up the entirety of the story of in episode 10, so going going into next season, which they've already approved for, uh, we'll see what they do with, you know, getting better writing um, on the stories, and hopefully allow those actors to really shine in those characters that were not done in justice in season one of Picard. Um, but we should talk about the last episode, episode ten. Um, it takes you know it picks up right after. The part one 
uh, which is episode nine, where basically the synths have locked up and kicked out all of the humans except for the, the doctor that's been covering Picard's team and um, Dr. Song to continue yeah. helping the synthetics. But uh, they learned that the admission is a call to a welcoming call, a, a, a come home call to all synthetic life in the universe to say, when you are ready, we are here and we will help you from this advanced synthetic life of who created it. Right. So they're trying to yeah. build this beacon to call the synthetics or whatever it may be. So. Uh, well, and, and ultimately it, it was a, it basically becomes a saving point for, synthetic life but kind of became doomsday for all other creation yeah basically um, uh everybody else because it was yeah. the understanding that if this advanced whatever the synthetic life was came to um help a synthetic it uh they would wipe out all non-synthetic life in that said universe yeah. so yeah all all or or organic life was basically on the hit list at that point yeah uh, so there's, there was that, um, overall, this was, I, I think it was a good episode. Um, you had a lot of action happen, um, and conflict of Picard again, risking his life to go out, um, and try to in a single ship, he in becomes one, captain and pilot all ship. at one time. Yep. Yes. He takes on a Romulan fleet. And it was, this wasn't like 10 or 15 ships. This was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Romulan warbirds that yep. were uh, on, on attack for the planet. Um, so the planet name uh, we're talking about is Compelius. That is Soji's homeworld where soon created all these different synthetic lives. And uh, the, the one thing that I had a knock on for this episode is when I first started watching it, there was, it just seemed to jump around a little bit in the very beginning of the story where it seemed like they were trying to rush to get to the end. Um, they did a good job of bringing everything together, but you know, as Picard is, is coming up against these Romulan birds, these, these, this Romulan fleet, um, the story kind of tied in together in the back of my mind. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, so they are getting ready to go up against, you know, hundreds of these Romulan ships that will just annihilate them in seconds. And the show's been uh, approved for a second season. So I'm thinking, okay, this is really going to suck because they're probably going to pass the baton. And this is just the way my brain is working, right? Like they're showing older people from Star Trek Next Generation, like Riker was in here. Um, you know, Deanna Troy was in here, data was in here as well. And they're passing the baton and there's going to be this new creation of people and Picard's going to die. And that's just the way my brain was working. Right. And I yeah. like disconnected from the show for about 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, this sucks. I don't watch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then there was a turn that happened, like something something changed in what they did in the show. And that was the, 
the whole Star Trek Next Generation flair happened as soon as Captain Riker responded to Picard's original call for aid for Starfleet. That message finally went through. And on screen, you see Picard sitting in this ship by himself with his crew, a couple of people, all these Romulan, you know, starships sitting around him. And and here comes Starfleet. They're they're piling their ships in, um, thousands of them. And they're all commanded by Will Riker. Yep. Because he he went back on active duty. He's a captain. And I I don't remember the name of the starship that he was in, but he said it was the fastest, most powerful starship that the Starfleet had ever created. That's pretty impressive. Yes. Just seeing just seeing what the Enterprise D and and E was capable of doing. I mean, that was a that was a galaxy-based starship. I'm not sure what this one was classified as, but if it was anything like the Enterprise, the armament and weapon capability and just tracking capability of those ships was ridiculous. So I can only imagine what, what Riker had at his fingertips ready to just blow the smithereens out of the, the, the Romulans. Yeah. And which, you know, going into that part of the episode, Picard kept showing his faith that Starfleet was going to show up. Um, but we had no confirmation as a viewer that they actually received the message that they were going to honor his diplomatic ability to uh, enforce first contact negotiations with the civilization, with the synthetics, um, because in doing so, put him under the, the direct protection of Starfleet and thereby, you know, gave Starfleet full authority of um, over the planet or in, in that area. So it was, yeah, it, uh, it became. It became protected space. I mean, like that became Starfleet territory at that point. So uh, just the Romulans being there was a violation of treaty and an act of war at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, that that piece was very cool. Uh, and just just the fact that Will Riker's character saying everything inside me just wants to go on ahead and say. Yeah, let's just hit you with everything we got because <laughs> I mean, he had an entire fleet of ships just armed ready and he was willing just to hit the fire button and take them out. But yeah, he was. gave him one chance. He gave him one chance to stand down. Yeah. And well, and that's what it is, is I was expecting him to stand down right there and they didn't. They're like, Nope, they're going to sit there and they're going to like blast it out old Western style, but with spaceships right there above this planet. Um, and then, of course, Picard had to have a moment with with Soji about powering down the beacon, and she did. She destroyed it because it had actually it became fully operational and opened the portal to wherever these synthetics were. And apparently, there are a whole bunch of mechanical tentacle things. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what that was. Um, it was like something that was out of the Matrix. It yeah. really reminded me of the the, the absolutely creatures did. out of the Matrix. Yeah. 
So uh, it was a little odd, but yeah, I wasn't quite sure how that would play in. I didn't know if maybe that was going to be what they called the destroyer. And it was because of Soji that that thing came in. But anyways, the, I mean, the beacon overall was destroyed and that portal was closed. So who knows if we'll ever see that thing again or if it's just done. So that ship's name was the USS Zhenghui. Zhenghui, yes. Zhenghui, and which, Zhenghui. Is actually, which is named after Chinese mariner explorer diplomat fleet admiral um, during the Ming, early Ming dynasty is when it was named after. But that was the name of that ship that Commander uh, Acting Captain Will Riker commanded um, during that standoff. Did it say what class that ship was? It doesn't say. Uh, but, 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 nope, does not say. We'll probably find Dang. it once we dig into the details. You know, the Trekkies out yeah, there that, tear apart all yeah. the specifics about the ship. Yeah, that stuff. That stuff was, uh, you know, it's going to go into lore books and and. Oh yeah. You know, the the so Trekkies are an interesting breed. They they are engineers and uh, like all the all the science stuff that goes into this kind of you know they they just eat that for oh, lunch. Yeah. So. Yep. In fact, I, I, to this day, still have a Star Trek Enterprise D schematics book. It's basically an, uh, uh, a schematics engineering encyclopedia that was created <laughs> specifically for the uh, Star Trek Enterprise D. And it breaks every floor, every capsule down to the engineering specs, how it was created, what it was for, the sizing, the measurements. Yeah. Super nerd stuff. Nerd. Big nerd uh, alert. I yeah. have some of those books Big for the Star Wars universe. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I expect those to come out once we, you know, as with anything, once you introduce a new ship, especially if one that could be popular in the universe or even halfway mentioned, it'll be broke down and, and we get to find out all about it. Um, because it's the most powerful, which the Enterprise was there for a while during the time, um, usually is the flagship. Um, or at least who, whatever ship has the designation as enterprise is the flagship and usually the most powerful. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, and the episode ends with, you know, everybody happy Dory synthetics are saved. They, they broke the beacon, drove the evil synthetics back to their universe, whatever it was. Romulans went home with the tail tucked between their legs. Um, and, uh, Picard dies. So that was the end of the episode right there. Uh, yep. And so, no, uh, I, 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 I saw this like- coming. I did. I saw the whole, okay. I, but then they mentioned it enough about this golem that song was working on. I was like, yeah, it's not yeah. for him. Right. It's 100% I, I, not for I, him. Yeah. I, I did see a little bit of how this was coming. I liked the ending of it. I, I won't lie. There was a, you know, there was a little, a little tear forming for Picard there at the end because, you know, it really was, is this is, this is kind of an end of an era. Um, not that we didn't get a good send off for Picard in the next generation because we did, but he has been Captain Jean-Luc Picard for a long, long time. And uh, I think, I think the end of the show really well, you know, the, kind of the genetics disease that he has for his brain um, overtook him in the show. He finally, he finally died because of that. 
Um, so his physical body died, but um, Dr. Soong brought him back as a uh, synthetic, which is, is I, I kind of saw coming. It was a cool little twist. I did like what they did with it. So uh, again, kind of that passing of a baton, but still keeping some of the old school flair to it. Yep. So, and uh, I like, I, I, I did like what they did with data. That, that was a, that was a good send off. That was a great send off for data about where he's basically saying he no longer wants to be immortal. He wants to have mortality come on him. Um, because apparently he's been kept alive in this quantum matrix. Um, so, yeah, so all, all, basically all of his neurons that, that were part of his, positronic brain from the from the star trek world um they they found and basically kept that alive and i i don't know if from a from, i guess from a robotic standpoint i mean data was striving to be human mm-hmm. pretty much through the entire show of of star trek next generation and he said it best at the very end he said death uh basically death gives you the ability to uh or what was it mortality gives you identity yep that and th- th- that's just kind of a powerful statement you know data data did he had an identity and and he was done like he he wanted to pass on physically and he wanted that mortality he wanted to be you know remembered for the legacy that he had created and not just be some, you know, piece of software that somebody had plugged into a jump drive. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like what they did there. It was good. That, that was very Star Trek Next Generation-esque at the very end. Yes. Yes, so it was good to see the send-off. And um, you know, we, we saw it come in with the Golem. So Picard's still alive, though he's now an android and synthetic for all intents and purposes, because they use the golem to recreate him um, and implant his memories from the scan they did on his brain right before he died. Uh, but they, he's not immortal. He's not a young Picard. He's still an old Picard. And they set into that. He will uh, in a term shut down at what they predicted to be his actual natural death life, death age. Right. Without the genetics, like he doesn't have the genetics disease anymore. They didn't. Yeah, he doesn't have the genetics disease. He, but he also doesn't have superpowers of, of being an android. You know the, the ultra fast thinking ability to hold all the data that Soji has, um, fast or jump really high or anything like that. So he just, for he, you know, he act just like he would with his body. So, yep, he is just Picard. That's where we see him. We see everybody back on Rios' ship, um, including now Seven uh, is on the ship, which is another yeah. thing like, okay, you crash the entirety of the board cube and it just kind of, well, it's just going to sit there. I thought they were trying it, to get it back airborne again. <laughs> I, I was too, um, but I guess they, they abandoned that uh, whole idea. So who knows? Uh, maybe maybe we'll see the Borg later later on still a thing i mean their queen is gone um most of the borg that we know of is is gone so who knows yeah 
we'll see in uh, season two. Which I don't even know if they put a release date on it yet with everything that's going on. I, yeah, I don't think they've got any dates or anything. Uh, you know, a lot of things are just on hold right now. They did they did go on ahead and say that it was approved and renewed for a season two. That uh, everybody that was on has already signed their their contracts and stuff to come back. Yep, which is no cool. date. It's just been confirmed and. That's it. Yeah. Cool. Well, this is a great little segue into our tech series. And this one has taken us back a little bit because these two monsters have been in a war together for a long time. That is Microsoft and PlayStation with their Xbox and PlayStation 5. Sony has done an amazing job with their uh, product, and so has Microsoft. And uh, I don't know. I think we're getting ready to see a big change with the way consoles come out because these specs that these suckers have are pretty impressive. They're, I mean, they're we're talking, bonkers. We're talking top end gaming PC specs with yeah. with what with what these consoles are pushing out. Um, yeah. So just to kick everything off, we'll we'll talk about the Xbox Series X first. And again, both of these systems from all of the news outlets that I'm hearing, they're supposed to be ready by, what is it, fall of 2020? Yes, holiday. Yeah, that's what they both have. Uh, holiday. On. Yep. They're uh, holiday of 2020. There was some rumors that Xbox uh, and some leaks of it being out for Thanksgiving. Um, which would put it up faster than PlayStation 5, but Microsoft came back and said that's not true. Whether that's a safe face or not, we'll see. But uh, the entirety of, of what is going to happen or when the release is is um, holiday of this year. So, yeah, holiday 2020, we've got two brand new gaming consoles coming out to massively tighten of a system coming from uh from both these guys uh no price points that i have seen yet um other than just kind of some speculation of what previous systems had come out you know the xbox one came out at uh, about 499 and i think the ps4 came out around the same thing so that's kind of what people are speculating but the hardware that these things have in it i don't know how they're going to be able to put them in at that price it just does not seem possible to me um, well, they work out special deals because everything that they so it's not just taking the parts off the shelf and putting them in the box. They're the proprietary. They're built for this system. So the example of the combination, of the CPU, the GPU, um, the memory. And the built in um, SSDs. Almost all of them now are on the same board. And so. Because of that, you're not there's a lot less you having to include in there. So, yeah, it, it'd be hard to fathom that I would get a device that's as powerful as the PC, my um, very expensive PC sitting right next to me for. Less than, you know, eight, nine hundred dollars. And, you know, like you said, they're, they're tracking to be at about five to six hundred dollars for the hardware. For it. Yeah, and, I think. I think if it comes in around that price, I mean, it doesn't matter. Honestly, I think what, what price these things come in at, 
there is such a fan base for both of these consoles. I mean, the numbers are going to be through the roof. People are going to have them on pre-order and they're going to be in the same boat that they were, I think, with the PS4 and the Xbox One is that people are waiting because there's so many orders coming in for it. Yeah. But then also, unlike maybe Sony will do this, but with Microsoft, they've already announced that there'll be different models of their series. And that's why this next console is not the Xbox. The Xbox is the brand, but this actual hardware that we're seeing that some compared to a fridge or a bazooka or whatever it may be um, is called the Series X. So there's going to be other models to come out um, that are going to be companions or not companions are going to be, you know, of the same family. To, to play the, you know, the next generation of games, but maybe not, maybe not at potential of 8K resolution, maybe, you know, 1080p consoles or just a stream box or because, you know, Microsoft's able to do that. But I don't think I've read anywhere that Sony is doing anything close to that. No, I, I think, I think Sony's coming out just with the, with the one system, everything that I've seen it is anyways. So, yeah, which, oh. Even even that'll, if they come out and continue with the really hardcore exclusives, I don't know if that will be able to hold them over. Maybe it will. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like I said, both of them have huge fan bases. Um, you've got the hardcore fans for Sony. Yep. That will never come to a Microsoft oh, product. Yeah. They will never touch an Xbox just because it says Xbox on it. And you've also got the people out there that, uh, you know, hardcore Microsoft um, love their Xbox. And you've got the people who they just want all the toys. They want the switches. They want the PlayStations. They want the Xbox. <laughs> they want the gaming PC. They want, <laughs> yeah. they want everything. And I'm in that boat, too. Um, you know, I, I love I love my technology. I love gaming. I love just all the things. Give me all the things. So uh, but I do love my Xbox as well. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I will be right there and I, I may, may get both of them um, with this generation, which I didn't pick up the PlayStation 4. Um, I did because, uh, uh, because of friend base and, and what was going on. But uh, man, are these these two systems, the specs on them on paper are very similar. And I say that right now and I know the you know, hardcore Microsoft people are like, oh, but the GPU is so much better. The Xbox Series S. Yes, on paper, it is. 100% agree. Um, but watching the tech conference that originally was going to show in person for PlayStation, Sony ended up having a virtual conference for it. And it was a lot of very technical details about the new system. Um, if you were able to get through it, really shows kind of a revolution that they are trying to do with their SSD to really increase those speed times on loading games. Um, yeah. Microsoft has touted that as well. Um, and, and to their point, they're installing a uh, NVMe RAM SSD, which if any of you out there are familiar for hard drives, even up to the Xbox X, we have not had a solid slate, a 100% solid slate drive in our consoles yet to date. Uh, with to the date. Xbox, yeah. yeah, to date. With the Xbox X, it is a hybrid drive, which uh, it does help. It, it is a spin disk with 
with a portion of SSD. So it's a hybrid drive. Um, but uh, all up and everybody else has spin disk, which is just because of the design of spin disk. And I, and I literally mean that inside the hard drive is a spinning disk of data. Uh, because of that, you're limited on the amount of speed you can do. Whereas with an SSD, yeah. it is but a board and you're limited by how fast you can code electricity to that chip. And yeah. so you're seeing either iterations of uh, PlayStation doing a custom SSD. And if you can get through and understand the technical video, it is pretty cool what they're doing. And props to Sony that on the PlayStation 5, they have said there will be a slot on the side of the box to be able to put in a M.2 SSD, which... And that is an amazing feature. Amazing feature. I was like, props to you, Sony. Good job on that. Um, so, it, it, you know, the newest generation of SSDs look like a, you know, like a USB stick if you took all the plastic off of it, you know, and just what it looks like. And you would just plug it in there and get the same speeds of their custom actually no they said it would be slower but still it would be bonkers fast um xbox microsoft i was like come on why are you guys doing this i kind of get it um but for them they are having uh they also have an ssd not a uh a customer but not to the level of what sony did with theirs um but they're going to allow you to expand it either via the usb ports like we've been doing for couple generation now where you plug in your own external hard drive or you buy a proprietary almost looks like a gamecube memory card ssd and it slots in the back but this one i think they're coming out and starting with one terabyte proprietary drives with a one one terabyte inside the device so yeah and that's a lot of space to start off with. One terabyte is nothing to scoff at. Yeah. I, I filled up my Xbox X um, just because I have access. You know, you have Game Pass and all that. Um, but honestly, if you're playing a couple games or a handful of games or. Heck, 10 to 15 games. I had no problem put that on my one terabyte in my Xbox X. So well, and having that and an SSD in, inside the new ones is going to be just just crazy. And games aren't getting any smaller. I mean, we're, we're seeing games of 120, 150 gig plus nowadays as well. So definitely, definitely need the extra space. Yeah. But from there, I mean, that's really the only two things that really set them apart. Um, yes, the Xbox GPU is clocked at a higher ability to process calculations at 12 teraflops and the play, Sony PlayStation 5 is at 10.28. 10. Yeah, 10.28. Yeah. So on paper, yes, but that's just part of the story. Um, you right. know, they'll, they'll hold that over Sony, but again, um, Sony's ability with what they did with the custom stuff may may squeak it out uh, with performance wise. So we'll see. I, there, no, though, it's, it's basically it. the same. Yeah. The they, they look very, they look very similar on paper. Um, yeah. Now I, I have not seen a demo of anything from the PlayStation five, but uh, I did get to watch a demo of some loading times on the series X. Yeah. And from game to game, 
they loaded Forza up and it was about five seconds yeah. from time of clicking the A button to the time that they were in the game, about five seconds. And then basically live loading a secondary game, they switched and started playing. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, but from the time that they had loaded Forza, they clicked on the home button, found their second game, hit their second game. It switched over in about three or four seconds, got everything loaded on the second game. And in the background is doing what it needs to on the first game that you loaded to shut it down in the background yep. without you, without you physically having to do anything inside the game. And then you can just switch back and forth between whatever game you want. Uh, and the, the, the processing speed was basically instantaneous, a little bit of load, but not like anything that we're seeing today. We've got some fairly long load times on some of the games that we see today. Yeah. And the comparison, and that's, that's one downside of what they did with the tech conference. Sony is they didn't show any of that. Uh, there's a lot of technical specs of how fast a game, but they didn't actually show it. Um, whereas the, you know, with Microsoft, they've been touting that of different games. Like, okay, here's the Xbox X. So their current flagship to the now series X. And it was just bonkers how much faster we're going to have load times. There's going to be no more of us. All right, let's load it. Let's go grab a drink, grab some food. All right. And we're just about to get to the main menu. No, there was, this was like, they were immediately less than a minute into playing the game. Yeah. So for all those that have not had the pleasure of having up gaming PC, this will be huge for console gamers out there. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, I mean, this, there's not a ton of information out here. They've, they, they've only had a, a handful of info sessions on these things and they do have a, a little bit info on some of the, the games that'll be launching with it. Um, they did talk about backwards compatibility for, you know, PS4 games and uh, Xbox One games. The Series X said that the Xbox One accessories will be compatible. Um, one of the things that PlayStation 5 said is that the PS4 games uh, would be on the external storage for basically their, their hard drive support. So I guess it is backwards compatible to a degree. So I don't know. I guess I guess we'll we'll see. Uh, the systems definitely look a lot different than what we're used to. Um, yeah. They've got they've got some different forms and features. The the Xbox is basically a gaming PC tower now. They've changed the form and look of it completely. And the PlayStation Five is something out of a sci-fi technology facility. I mean, it, it well, looks pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, even with it, I think what we've seen so far is just the demo and the like uh, the one sent to developers so they can start developing games for it. Uh, we have yet to see what the PlayStation five is actually going to look like when it's sitting on the retail shelves or online right. to be ordered. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm referring to is that that developer one that we, that we saw. Developer build. It was, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. It was a developer build. Yeah. Now we have seen the final kind of what the Xbox series X is going to look like. Uh, it may change here or there. 
but I don't think it's going to be a drastic change. The PlayStation yeah. Five could be a drastic change because right now it is kind of wild looking. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is uh, for being a developer kit, which you would think that they would want to just keep that as a. Albeit they they could do that for reasons of cooling or anything like that, but you would. Yes, can be simplistic. It's going to a developer, so they don't care what it looks like. They just want to know. Yeah, they how just, they, they can code games know. for it. Yep. Let me let me code. Let me see how it functions. Let me try to burn the crap out of it and see what see what it can and can't do. Yeah. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, uh, we're we're getting ready to push into April, so about another five and a half months. I'm I'm sure we'll be getting tons of demos. I'm sure there's trailers going to be launching, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we've seen things for Microsoft's a few of the games. Um, we've seen a few previews that have come out for it. Nothing solid, solid yet. But, yep, definitely on a new horizon for console gaming uh, with these types of specs that are coming. Could definitely be a competitor for some of the, some of the PC gamers out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, been able to experience what we've had the pleasure of experiencing with PCs for a long time. Just, just the SSDs alone will be um, a complete change in the way console gaming is done. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about the console wars for a long time. And the PC guys have always just kind of been on the outside of that because the consoles have never even come close to touching it. But these new ones, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a close one. So definitely something I'm keeping my eye on. And we will continue to drop those news feeds as we get them and uh, let you guys know what we find and what's up with it. So keep your ear open. I'm sure Microsoft and PlayStation and uh, Sony and Xbox company and all of the the peoples involved are uh, trying to keep things under wraps as best that they can so that, uh, you know, no news leaks are coming out that shouldn't be coming out. But we'll see what happens. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode for this evening. I hope you guys have had uh, a fun time. We just want to say thank you for stopping into the show, joining us, hanging out, having fun. And uh, we just really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for wherever you guys are. And uh, keep on practicing that social distancing for now. That way, uh, you know, we don't get sick. Because we appreciate you guys. So stay healthy. Stay safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And while you guys are practicing social distancing, uh, again, thank you guys for tuning into the podcast. Um, All the support is greatly appreciated. The feedback, uh, the support, uh, all of it. Uh, just a thank you to you all. Uh, we're just a couple of geeks that like talking about movie tech, all things geekery. And if you guys did enjoy this episode, you can subscribe to all things geekery podcast with any of your favorite podcasting apps. And if you go and drop us a review on iTunes or Spotify, it does greatly help the channel and podcast grow. Absolutely. And make sure you guys connect with us over on our social media accounts. You can find us on Twitter, and my handle is at xdetachedx. You can find Victus out there at VictusATG, and go follow our podcast account at TheATGCast. You guys can also hang out with us anytime you want over on our Discord community as well. If you guys have ever seen that, follow those links in the notes. 
and make sure to subscribe. I know we've said it a few times tonight, but that really does help when you guys share the show. Drop us a review. Let us know if you have a favorite episode or anything that you guys enjoyed about tonight's episode. Absolutely. And currently I am on break in regards to just uh, everything going on with the coronavirus. But I do have a Twitch channel that you can go check check out the VODs with. Or when I go back to being uh, streaming some games, you can chime in to game content at twitch.tv forward slash Victus ADG. Yeah. And like I said, connect with us over on our social media accounts. That is pretty much where Victus and I spend the majority of our time right now. I don't stream at all, mainly because I've got an ugly mug and you don't see that on a stream. So he does. uh, Yeah, it's it's bad. But uh, go find us. Uh, We'd love to hear from you over on our social media account. Uh, We're spending a lot of time reading, chilling and just enjoying this extra time that we've got doing uh, different things. But guys, that wraps up this podcast. So as always, you all stay awesome and we will see you in the next episode.